This is Nursing Uncensored. Your host, Adrienne Benning, invites you to listen in on real conversations about all things in the nursing world. This podcast is intended for nurses, nursing students, and allied health professionals, but non-medical folk will probably get a kick out of us too. If you like what you hear, subscribe and share. Welcome to Nursing Uncensored. I am here today with my friend and coworker Margot. Hi, Margot. We are going to talk about something that's a little kind of something that we've not talked about before on Nursing Uncensored. Um, we are going to talk about aromatherapy, specifically aromatherapy in like patient care. Um, not just we do palliative care, but not. But we're also talking about something that's applicable to. Anybody, yeah, really. Like a majority of patient population. Yeah. And you know, this probably would work with, you know, your mom, your sister, your best friend. So these are all really good. Okay, so first, before we get into talking about palliative aromatherapy, let's talk a little bit about you. Okay. Would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Margo. Um, I was a student on the unit where we work for my senior internship fell in love with our floor, um, and I'm actually coming up on one year off orange. Congrats, yay! Yeah, I'm like, what, six days? Six days away from Excellent, congratulations. It's flown by. Uh, and I just graduated our residency program at our hospital, and the project that me and my partner focused on was on aromatherapy, uh, specifically for our palliative care patients. So it's been kind of a cool little project to kind of get into, kind of um, explore and, you know, find out how we can be using this tool for our patients. Yeah, because, I mean, really, we want to utilize everything we can, especially those things that are more natural. Medications help, but we don't want only medications. Uh, When my partner and I were discussing uh, topics for our project, I brought up aromatherapy because as a student, the nurse who I got paired with uh, used it a lot for our palliative care patients. We did a lot of the palliative side. But it felt like for the rest of the floors, we weren't really using it. It was more, we just used it for when there was like a big stinky mess that we needed to cover up and not so much as a tool to help combat, you know, nausea, anxiety, all the things that it's good for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to see, like, what's that about? Why aren't we using it? Yeah, and I'm one of those people, I've been on the unit for almost three years, and I have underutilized it, I know, and to, just to kind of, I know we have a lot of students that listen, so to kind of explain a little bit more in depth what palliative care is, um, palliative care, most literally, is symptom management, so while this does sometimes and often includes patients that are like actively dying or towards the end of their lives, technically you can be a full code receiving active treatment and still need palliative care. Um, and so like you said, I think that there are some really great things we can do to take care of anxiety, nausea, you know, all these things that we would otherwise throw some meds at, you know? So this is awesome. So how how did this project, like how did you begin? Where did you start with this? Uh, literature review. Uh, we kind of dug into what is already existing out there just to, you know, kind of verify 
the fact, and there are plenty of studies out there in, like, the world that show, you know, they've gone in and measured pulse and blood pressures and, like, patient-reported symptom management. So we have um, quantitative studies and not just, like, qualitative, subjective yeah, data. Yeah, there is actual evidence out there in the world that supports that. I mean, it's not like your first line. You, you're not going to have a patient in, like, excruciating pain and, like, okay, we're going to throw some lavender on it. Right. <laughs> um, but all of the literature that we found supported it as um, a complementary therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's great for like the sudden onbursts, the like these quick pain crises, adding it onto the pain uh, meds that you're giving mm-hmm. or the nausea meds that you're giving or the anxiety meds that you're giving, different oils can just like boost it up to the next level and help get things under control faster. Sure, so we're essentially trying to attack a problem from multiple different directions. Like we're always, as nurses, we're always encouraged to use as many of those non-pharmacological interventions so like looking at positioning ice packs level of stimulation like all these things and then aromatherapy is this other great tool that we have access to so okay so you started like looking at the research and realizing there's a lot of factual information here and there's a lot for us to go off of so then how did you take that and kind of distill it down into something that you could like do and measure and the next, our next step was to kind of figure out, uh, okay, so where is like our knowledge deficit? So we did a survey of our staff, our coworkers, which I took as um, well. Appreciate it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just to kind of gauge the unit's attitude towards aromatherapy, we wanted to see, you know, before we could build anything, you have to know where you're starting from. Um, Excellent point. Yeah. So that pre-survey kind of told us everyone agreed, like. Everyone understood aromatherapy is this great tool. Um, it helps manage all these different kinds of symptoms. We've seen it help these different symptoms, but no one really felt comfortable explaining the pros and cons to families or to patients. No or one, even what to use when. Yeah, and no one knew our hospital policy. So the hospital that we work at has an existing policy regarding aromatherapy, mm-hmm. uh, which means that we don't need a doctor's order to do aromatherapy. Interesting. So this is truly under the nurse's umbrella. Yeah, like this, this is, is completely within our scope of practice to do uh, independently. Which is great because, say, you know, you're about to call the doctor because you need to keep upping the anti-nausea meds, um, you know, the Zofran, the right, whatever it is you're using, and instead you can say, well, hey, let's try the dose we've already got and add, and a, add a little peppermint to it. Let's, you know, and I've also heard. Um, I've used this for myself because I'm a migraine sufferer and so nausea and vomiting is an unfortunate side effect of some of the more powerful migraines that I've had. And for example, someone once told me, I don't have Zofran, I don't have like anti-nausea meds that I can take at home. Um, But somebody told me that taking a whiff of like an alcohol swab can help with nausea and the feelings of, you know, that, that feeling of like, oh, I'm about, I'm about to, to, you know, throw up. And so I've tried that a few times. A couple times I was like, this doesn't do shit. And then other times I was like, oh, okay, I am feeling a little better. So, I mean, something as simple as that, I mean. And if you think about it, I was actually talking to one of our respiratory doctors. I showed up on my unit, on the unit to do some of like our little in-services and Dr. walked in. Nice. Um, and he's like, what are you doing here? And uh, so we had a little conversation and he brought up a good point. Like our senses, like what we touch, what we feel, what we see, what we smell, 
that all goes into our brain, like it's how our, our brains process what's happening around us. So, you know, if you're taking one of those senses and like exposing it, instead of being like, you know, hospital smell, the, you know, the mm-hmm. cleaners, the... The bad smells. Yeah. Right, right. All that stuff and just taking it and bringing something else in to fo- for that one sense to focus on kind of takes away one of those unfamiliar sure so it not just masking odors but like we're literally giving our brain something else to pay attention to yeah and something that has proven to i mean when you think about it you know i'm i'm one of those people that's like you know i believe that the earth kind of has all the things that we need to mostly make things okay and it's just a matter of recognizing you know like there are iowans i know that can go outside in my front yard and be like oh this is edible and this is that is beyond me so it's nice to know that we have these like alternative therapies that we can be like hey guess what with no drugs no additional like doctors pages in the middle of the night we can potentially help yeah okay so I want to break this down into, and you can talk about this at will, but let's talk about like the, the whens and the hows, like when do we, how do we know, okay, this patient is experiencing something that maybe an essential oil can help. And then how do we pick it? Cause I'm one of those yeah. people that goes in and I'm like, Hmm, which one of these scents do I like the most? And then Brad will come in the room and be like, Oh my God, don't open that. That stinks. So bad. Like he hates the smell of rose. He really likes, I I, yeah, I'm like, I spray rose water on my face and I'm like, oh yes. And then Brad is like, no. don't open that <laughs> bottle. So it's interesting. So talk a little bit about how, how, how do you figure yeah. this out? Uh, so one of the studies that we actually used as a reference for our project um, focused specifically on a randomized clinical trial where they did water as like their placebo mm-hmm. and they used lavender and uh, lemon and then they, me- they uh, measured like vitals like that qualitative data quantitative, quantitative data. data yep mm-hmm. yep um, to like figure out what each one kind of did to see if there was any kind of an impact so lavender was shown to like help bring pulse and respirations down lemon was shown to bring the like blood pressure and pulse and respirations up interesting yeah so lavender is kind of a known relaxing lemon is kind of a known like yeah it's bright it's fresh you think of like you want your house clean and smell it yeah it's a very like upbeat kind of yeah Yeah. okay um so there's some of that like we know lavender is great with pain and anxiety and lemon to help wake people up and Mm -hmm. you know our hospital's pain committee does have a guide for the five essential oils that our hospital carries. Uh, lemon, peppermint, lavender, sweet orange, and I'm forgetting the last one. There are five, though. Yeah, and I've seen, um, oh, what's the other one? I know I've seen, I've seen all of them. I've seen them on the shelf. We have them in our med room, yeah, basically. Yeah, that, that was yeah. part of our, we put together a little. The kit. The little kit, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so they have, the pain committee, you know, did, did their own kind of research and put together. This is, like, our recommended. Uh, peppermint is definitely recommended for, like, anxiety um, and nausea. Mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know, I think sweet orange is recommended specifically for, like, muscle cramps, like, muscular pain. Mm-hmm. But the really great thing about aromatherapy is, like, if one doesn't work, you just move on to the next. Right. And some of our patients were just like, no. Like, I, this is what I do to help with, 
you know, keep me in the right mindset or yeah. this is what I use when I get nauseous, you know. So because even if people haven't used aromatherapy, they know like, oh, I like the smell of candle or yeah. I like peppermints or so some people, it sounds like already kind of, yeah. if they're able to communicate with us, they're maybe able to say, oh God, that stinks. Get that out of here. Yeah. And unlike medication, we can remove that stimulus. Exactly. So that's a nice thing about it. You can't pull the Zofran out of somebody's body, but you can remove the peppermint from yeah. the bedside. And then I do also love that versatility, um, you know. If one's not working for you, we'll just try another one. Sure. Excellent. And, like, I didn't know we had a hospital policy about that. So many of the nurses, they... Had no idea. No. I mean, there's such a wide body of information that we have access to that it's impossible to have memorized the whole index of everything. And so I encourage people listening, like, check out, does your hospital have one? Because you might be surprised. You might be like, oh, no, we don't have that. And then you go and you look it up on your, like, nursing intranet or whatever your your hospital uses, and you go, hot damn, there actually is something. So we've, we've figured out what works for this patient, what they like, what they've used before. So then how do we actually like deliver this? Because I know that some essential oils can be really irritating to the skin if you mm-hmm. just put them directly from the bottle onto the, the skin. Pa- and we especially have to consider patients who may already have bad skin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do we, what do we do? So this is, this is where like our hospital policy comes into play that it will direct what you can and can't do without a doctor's order. At our institution, um, essential oils are only to be used as aromatherapy. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not to be ingested or rubbed directly onto a patient's skin without a provider's order because um, even if you're rubbing it onto the skin or ingesting it, you're, the bo- their bodies They're absorbing are, are it, absorbing yeah. absorbing it, and it could... And this is the sad thing about, aroma, is about uh, essential oils is that the like, side effects or the way it interacts with medicines isn't that well known. Mm-hmm. So without a doctor's order, we can't have anyone like drinking lemon oil. Right, <laughs> or like rubbing it into their hands doing, and feet or, or that the, sort of the thing. The more serious would be like the uh, essential oil massages, which I know a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we want to make sure that we're not going to create more problems than we're solving. Exactly, and this is like, and this is another thing to know about your patients. Do they use essential oils at home? Do they regularly like? I do. I take rose oil and rub it on my forearms. So you already know that, like, you're not going to react to it. Yeah. You, your body has some level of, like, or, it's used to it. Or we know, like, if I have been doing that and taking a medicine, like... If you haven't been having crazy side effects. Yeah. So that's something to know. Like, what? how do your patients use essential oils mm-hmm. normally? So do you think that there is... Uh, research or hope that maybe in the future that there will be more information about like I mean you've done research so obviously there's a lot of research about it but where do you see this going like what's your personal prediction for how this will evolve so right now everything is very focused on that like the numbers just seeing the how does it affect pulse how does it affect respirations how Mm -hmm. does it affect the way a patient is reporting their pain or their anxiety. All of the studies that we looked at were calling for more of those kind of studies Mm -hmm. to look at that numerical data. And I didn't see anything really being like, we need to study how these oils do interact with medicines if they get absorbed in the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's still, it's emerging still. It is. It's still very much baby steps. 
So, so we basically, while we are waiting for studies to be developed and done that kind of bring more light to this, we do have the ability to kind of harness the aromatherapy. So how, how do we deliver that? And this is kind of where it was really fun for me and my project partner, our intervention was to create an aromatherapy station, which included a resource guide on aromatherapy. Mm -hmm. So we created a binder which has a copy of like our policy and our like our hospital policy 101. We took it and like narrowed it down and said like this is how you do it. And then we also included other, you know, everything that you would need to like refill the oils and do basic maintenance yes, it sounds like. Right, so right. That was our intervention. What was your question? I'm sorry. Oh no, no, that's okay. Like how are we delivering it? Like how are we actually like taking it to the bedside and like yeah. making sure the patient can smell it? So so we created our little aromatherapy station with all these resources and then we did in services with the staff, as many staff as we could get. And as we were going through our policy, everyone was like, Really? That's all we can do? So uh, our facility's policy is you take the bottle of the oil, you take a clean two by two or a cotton ball, mm-hmm. t- put two, two to three drops of the oil onto that cotton ball or a two by two and put it in a, a sealable bag, label that bag, and you can hand that to the patient to open and close at will. As they wish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, whenever the oil dissipates, you just start the process over again okay so this is interesting because then like we talked about we have the ability to remove the stimulus Mm -hmm. as opposed to like say you had a diffuser going in the corner Mm -hmm. and then we can't really can't pull that from the air so how so this is great for patients who are like able to like open and close or ask someone to open and close that bag for them are we using these um, essential oils with patients who maybe can't communicate with us? Yes, and I think that's where you need to know, like your policy, you need to know what you can and can't do. So if you look at the policy, the, our, our, again, this is our mm-hmm, hospital's mm-hmm. policy. Uh, if you look at the reasoning for the bag, uh, it's to make the scent last longer. Oh, okay. So that it's if it's just sitting out, it has more time to like dissipate right just right in a little sealed bag. Uh, so we were kind of telling yeah it's great that the bag will be great for patients who are mobile they can do that themselves but a lot of our like actively dying patients who the ones who really need an extra little boost if you just take it in a little plastic med cup label the med cup mm-hmm. you'll have to replace it more frequently but, but then it's, you, it's yeah. still labeled for if the joint condition ever came around, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what the oil is, and it's right there for them to smell. And sure. To get the so then out. we're not having to worry about someone being present in the room to yeah. provide that. Um, and since we're only using, I mean, we're not like soaking a and, huge rag with it. And that was another thing with us being on respiratory floor, that was something that a lot of people brought up because there are a few contraindications to using a few reasons that you shouldn't be using essential oils uh, and patients with respiratory problems is actually one of them right because uh, if you overwhelm like their lungs some oils can cause uh, constriction like like a bronchospasm yeah yeah spasms in their airways making it hard for them to breathe right and people are bringing that up because I think the few times that we have used essential oils it's we've gone 
totally crazy and you can like the entire unit smells right which is always a problem for those people that are like oh my god i hate the smell of this particular scent and now it's literally everywhere so we have to be really measured in how we use it yeah because yeah and i have used aromatherapy for some of our respiratory patients uh but those were patients who have like discussed it with their teams who used it regularly at home who knew what worked and what didn't uh, not all our patients do, and especially on our unit where we have those those patients with respiratory problems, you don't want to suddenly overwhelm their lungs with and suddenly have a respiratory distress in issue. The of the hallway. Yeah. Right, right, and so that's very valid. And I know that we have. Uh, patients that have come back to us more than once that when they come in they ask us to put a sign on the door that says please no no powerful cleaning materials Mm -hmm. you know they they already know that certain things either trigger them to cough or make it hard to breathe and so um we have to we do we have to be really mindful of this so this is why it's great to have a policy or some kind of guideline to look at that so that you're not put you're not causing more harm than when you're intending to do good yeah. and that was that was something that came up during these little in-services that we did our the staff was like wait that's all we can do and it was like well if we're doing this we're not going to have that overwhelming powerful smell in the hallways that might trigger cause problems right patients. right and so we also need to remember that just as you or I have our own preferences, that our patients also have their own preference. And just like you don't want to walk onto a unit and like smell poop, like that can be, even if you're not particularly sensitive to smell, but then covering, you know, I know that there have been folks that have tried to like cover up these bad like fecal yeah. odors or necrosis or whatever that yeah. smell is with essential oils but then what ends up happening is it smells like necrotic tissue covered in essential oil and you're not really so it's not ideal for necessarily ma- it can be used for masking smells i imagine but mm-hmm. that's not our goal here we're not using this to like change um the the dynamic of the way the whole unit smells yeah and i think before you can like if you're wanting to like replace the smell, you have to like remove this the thing the, causing the smell. Yes, which you know for you know for VMs you can do. You can take the trash out of the room and get mm-hmm. like, or know, cover the can. You know, yeah. And stuff, but there are some you know those like necrotic yeah uh, things that can be harder to do. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily mean that we're like filling their room with cotton swabs filled with essential oil. We're using these in very, very like methodical, well thought out ways. And the thing that I was thinking is that, you know, people that are saying, well, is that all? Well, how about we do it consistently before we start, you know, expanding? So if some people already know about it, that's cool. If you want to see more, then start supporting the use of what we're already able to do. And then we have more kind of. Before we, yeah, before we start wanting to change the policy, let's, like, make sure our existing policy doesn't... And that we're doing it. it. Yeah. And that, yeah, let's not come up with steps A through D when we're not even doing step A yet. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point. Like, get people used to, like, using this, knowing when to use it, become knowledgeable about it, be able to talk to our patients about it. Like, these are all goals we have. It's just like when we're all new and we're trying to figure out how to talk to our patients about their medications, yeah. you know? Um, and so... I think that this is really interesting that we do have data to go off of, but there's still so much research to be done, which is great for students coming up and coming through and they're like, hmm, I need a project and I just don't want to do the same old, like, 
you know, whatever, you know, topics that get hit over and over again in nursing, this is something that it sounds like new, new discoveries are just like dying to be made, basically. And and I feel like that's for any like complementary therapy. We focused on aromatherapy. I knew we had an existing policy and I knew we kind of used heredity on our floor. Mm -hmm. Um, But this could be with like music therapy. This could go for like massages or like essential oil massages like there's so much in that like complementary alternative mm-hmm. medicine world that I feel like if we could get the data like widespread to be like look this is actually something useful mm-hmm. like and then I'm sure our patients appreciate that as well because I know that if I were sitting in the patient seat I also if my doctor was like hey do you use aromatherapy I'd be like what I what does it mean? Yeah, I don't know what... I have candles. Like, <laughs> I like the way they smell. But, you know, I think that even even nurses can appreciate this because we are the ones that like... You know, I know not everybody likes a lot of heavy aromas, but I know that as someone who doesn't wear scents to work or, like... I mean, my hair products have scent. I'm not completely unscented. But I'm not, like, you know, spraying on the, the perfume before I come to work. So when I am in my off days, I do like to have something that smells nice. And I actually, I mean, as a side note, I recently bought these, like, lemon-scented face cloths, like, you know, makeup remover wipes. And literally the whole reason I bought them was because the lemon smelled so good. Um, and so, but it's true. You wait, you, you know, and I, and I have it basically for like those moments where like I've been running around, I'm really busy, I'm not at home or I don't have time to wash my face and I want to pick me up. But, but therein is the concept. It like is refreshing. It like rejuvenates. I'm sure probably picks my heart rate up a little <laughs> bit now that I know that it does that. So it's interesting that I'm not maybe actively using it with my patients, but I'm using it with myself in ways that maybe I'm not realizing until now that we're talking about it. So I think there's a lot of potential here. So say someone is at an institution that either like not a lot of people know about the policy or they don't have a policy. Do you have any advice for how someone can maybe either help spread the message or maybe start getting the the hospital or clinic or wherever to look at making a policy? I know that's a big yeah, question. That's a no. tough one. I mean, just be a pain in the ass who's like, look. This the squeaky is a, wheel. <laughs> this is a thing that we should be doing and keep, mm-hmm. you know, being that person until... Until the, somebody listens. Until the people who need to listen start listening. Yeah. Find somebody else on the unit that's yeah. also passionate about find, it. Find those like supporters. Um, sell them. Sell your coworkers on it and band together. Mm-hmm. Put together like there is research out there. Uh, find it. Put together the presentation to sell upper management on it. Yeah, like get a little nice PowerPoint together. Yeah. <laughs> or even just shop the idea. I know that in our institution we work for specifically like a level one trauma center and a learning hospital. It's attached to you know a university. And so we have nurses and researchers that are specifically there just to do like quality improvement and like develop those evidence-based practice guidelines find them find them send them an email put a bug in their ear because this is like we're only going to convince people that it works if they see that it works you know um 
So do you use aromatherapy? You said that you use it in your personal life as well. So what are, do you feel at liberty to share? Yeah, I really like lavender and I really like rose. Mm -hmm. Those those are just two of my personal favorites. I, we have that in common. I use lavender um, as a headache, not, not when I have migraines because I get, I get a little sensitive when to aromas when I have a migraine but when I feel that one is like starting lavender is a good I actually have a little shelf on my makeup table I have lemongrass lavender I think I have a citrus I bought Brad some lemon oil because I got him this cool diffuser for his kitchen which I'm gonna have to ask him if I didn't see that at his apartment last time I was there I'm gonna have to ask him about that because that was anyway um so yeah, I know that I, I have a bunch, but I'm not necessarily, I have like a little glass jar that I keep on my makeup table. It has two cotton balls in it and I'll do kind of exactly what you're describing. I'll just kind of like drop a couple drops on it and then just like leave it on my makeup table while I'm like doing my face or my hair or whatever. Yeah. So I like to take a little bit of my lavender and just like put a couple drops on like my pillows. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the rose, I like put on like my forearms mm-hmm. yeah uh, I don't know and it was actually Lillian one, another one of our co-workers I remember one day uh someone brought in a like floral specific set of I yes that's oils. the one that Brad was like don't open the rose yes. well Lillian <laughs> opened up the rose and I was just like oh, you're like yes oh my gosh. so I went out and found myself a bottle of rose essential oil nice and I almost ran my perfume uh it just it and I don't know if it, like, I don't know what the science behind the rose is, but mm-hmm. it just makes my heart happy. It, it makes me yeah. feel peaceful. Yeah, I dig it. That's how I feel with both rose and lemongrass. Even though I think lemongrass is more of, like, a rejuvenating, it seems, like, more bright and, like, awake to me, to use yeah. a word about, can you call an essential oil awake? Yeah. yeah yeah awakening um so but i like but that relaxes me too for yeah. some reason even though you'd typically think of it as something that would be like energizing yeah so i too i'm i really like the essential oil up until now i think that even the ones that i'm using like quote unquote the right way i'm doing it more instinctually than like because like i read somewhere that lavender is calming you know yeah. um so i think it's interesting that there is this level of like almost intuition even if you've never like even if you can't rattle off a bunch of things about a bunch of essential oils you you know yeah i smell this and it makes me feel this way right right so i think like i love i think that's why like some people associate like clean with lemon because you can actually clean with lemon so like lemon fresh pine and like all of these artificial things are kind of using this aromatherapy almost because I love it when I you know you walk into a hospital it smells like vinegar and you're mm-hmm. like woo but you walk in and you smell lemon and you're like oh I mean, that's nice do tell us so much about the thing you know yeah yeah we, we, part of how we know if like food feels good or bad is you know if it starts smelling mm-hmm. um I mean anyone if you any nurse who's walked into a C. diff room can tell you. You can diagnose that from the hallway. Yeah. You're like, they got the diff. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. scent is... And, like, it communicates. Our, any of yeah. senses. It's how we interact with the world. It's how we gather information about the things around us. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting just to, even though we know you smell essential oils, it affects you, And but I've never thought about how, like, 
really, what is the function of that? So I think it's interesting that we've talked about that today because it is the way the doc put it is great. It's like, really, your brain is processing this. So even though we think, well, that doesn't, I'm just smelling it. It's like not in my body, but really it is mm-hmm. because it's triggering your brain to receive those signals and it's affecting how it's, how, the control center. How yeah. do you, how do you not affect your body by, yeah. by affecting your brain? So I think it's really interesting that this is a project that you chose and that now um, even I, even after, you know, knowing you guys did this project and seeing the the results of it, even I haven't been really using it effectively because I didn't, I didn't know about the binder. Um, so your partner who recently, she's awesome and she worked on this project with you, but she found another opportunity yeah, and has moved to, she's moved to a great part of the country and I'm sad that I didn't catch her in time because I would have loved to include her, but it sounds like hopefully this is something she'll take with her and, you know, spread the good word wherever she happens to be. And now that I know that these resources, uh, the point I was going to make is the night she came around to do the in-service was actually a night I had a horrible migraine and was at work and I chose to sit it out. But now in in hindsight, I'm thinking, well, shit, she might've been able to be like, here, smell this and your head will feel better. So, I mean, really it's about finding the space to like empower ourselves and like really learn about these things. I wanna kinda talk about um, not just, I know we've, we've covered a lot on aromatherapy. I also wanna talk about, because you're one of the newer nurses that I've had on the show in terms of like time as a nurse. So I also want to talk to you a little bit about the, yes, not so much the nurse residency program, but about acclimating, immediately starting these projects, like having to approach maybe nurses that, cause I was super intimidated as a new nurse, even though I knew all these people for years as a nursing assistant. So how did that translate to like coming on as a a new nurse, a a graduate nurse, and a great one I might add, I think that, and I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here, I really do like, you're here because I value your opinions and I wanted to talk to you. But talk a little bit about how you show up as the newbie and yet you're already helping to like guide practice and policy and what we know like nurses that have been there for years how to talk about that a little bit uh i mean it was a little intimidating going up because some of the nurses who have been on our floor have been there for since before you or i were born yeah Yeah. you know have been there for 30 years 10 years five years Mm -hmm. uh i i did try it was a little bit intimidating trying to Mm -hmm. go up to some of them being like okay i'm gonna teach you i'm gonna teach you something i did so i I did try and keep it as much uh, like, okay, I'm doing a project in aromatherapy. What do you know about our hospital's policy? Mm-hmm. What do you know about you know the pros, the cons? Who should be using aromatherapy? Who shouldn't be using aromatherapy? Mm-hmm. And really just trying to make it not so much like I'm going to stand up and be the authority mm-hmm. on aromatherapy, but more just opening up a discussion on our unit about aromatherapy. Right, and like you already talked about, meeting those, those knowledge gaps. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, is, I was, I am addressing a knowledge gap. I am taking, I'm, you know, taking this policy and uh, making sure everyone is aware, or our, that our coworkers are aware of what they can and can't do with their nursing license. And, you know, it's pretty dang cool. It's that, empowering. Yeah, that even, I've, you know, I, I'm just about to hit a year off, orient, uh, a year as a nurse. 
diverse, off orientation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hoping to do that. And I want to do that with other things. I think that's the beautiful part about nursing is that everyone, and that's what I keep hitting home um, or I keep trying to drive home with this podcast is that everyone has something they can contribute. Because even though you may not have the 30 years of experience that one of our coworkers does, you still, you've spent the time really looking at this with a trained, educated eye and knowing how to like, how to make it useful. So yeah, I think, and it's, it's really cool just finding that passion that, you know, you have, what, whatever it is, whether it's skin or pain management or, you know, working with different transplant patients or working with end-of-life patients or working with kids or working with, uh, you know, older adults, whatever, and finding ways to make sure that, you know, you're giving them the best care possible. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have like 30 years of experience to be involved in what you're doing especially since you know we go through so much training and schooling and then this is the time to really take all of that like quality improvement evidence-based practice you know site apa stuff like you take all of these skills that you've learned and now you get to see how they're not just for a grade but they're actually like affecting practice on a bigger level than just like oh I'm going to do this during the course of my shift but before we turned on the the recording you did talk a little bit about how you were like wait wait, wait, hold on I need something to start off with like I need a scaffolding or something to to start with and there's no shame in that no definitely not I I mean I I love school I love learning but you know there's a big difference from you know taking a theoretical project and making a, a fake poster you mm-hmm. know, on that and then going and being like do this planning out an yeah. actual project with like okay I have to actually go up to the people who I work with on a daily weekly monthly you know however often I work with these people who have all this more experience than me and try and present myself as like a mm-hmm. educator as like a you know, someone who has something to contribute. And For sure. Yeah, so when we first started, I knew I wanted to do aromatherapy, but the rest of it, I was just kind of like, I need, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> I need to nail this down a little more, like, concretely. Yeah. Yeah, so, and that's kind of why we have, at least at our, I know other hospitals have residency programs. They're often very coveted mm-hmm. by new grads because you do get that, like, period of training because you know you get orientation for your actual job on your unit hopefully it's adequate wherever you're you know working but then this is like this is different this is like the research side the practice you know like the one of one of my secret goals which I don't I don't know but I think like I'm on the potential path of like nurse practice leader or like clinical practice like that's the thing that interests me and that's kind of like what you're describing here mm-hmm. is taking something and being like I know nothing or very little about this in a clinical setting how am I gonna make yeah. this worthwhile to somebody to every nurse yeah. that's there so then you know you kind of I imagine you probably like kind of get your bearings a little bit and then you're like off and running and so now do you feel that after doing this project do you feel that if you decided you wanted to do another project that you would have a better um like foundation of like okay here's where I start yeah definitely um it was you know there with anything there's kind of a learning curve Mm -hmm. you know this was my first real project and I kind of figured out okay 
this kind of worked for me. This kind of worked <laughs> for us and this project. These are, you know, I have an idea of how it'll move forward. And then kind of scrap the things that don't yeah. work or weren't as effective or whatever. So I think it's really cool to, like, even see... Like, it's cool for me to see this change in you, but it's also cool for me to look back and be like, oh, yeah, I kind of did that, too. Because, like, I did a project on oral care and, like, reducing pneumonia. Like, our mouths are so gross. <laughs> like, are. as humans in general, uh, like, your mouth is dirty. And when, yeah, oh, my gosh. When, when we have patients who, because part of my uh, morning med pass, you know, our morning vitals, morning med pass, I'm like, okay, do you have everything you need to brush your teeth? And some mm-hmm. of my patients are like, Eh, no, I'm good. I'm like, you're like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> that's not how this works. Well, yeah. So, but and that that kind of that process of going from like I don't really know if I want to do this project if I like it to being like, no, here's why this is good for you and why you should really do this and having your patient go, oh, I had no idea that this that or the other thing was helpful. And sometimes people are even skeptical when you tell them, but if you say, hey, I've got this lavender here, just take just take a, a scent. And they might go, oh, that smells nice. They might not be making the connection that, like, this is therapeutic, mm-hmm. but we lead people to it in the way that they kind of need to be led. So some people you can straight up be like, I have this, studies show it works, like, let's try it in addition to whatever other things you've done. And some people you may need to be like, Hey, what's your favorite smell? Oh, you really like, you love that smell. How does that smell make you feel? Well, if that smell makes you feel good, maybe this smell will make you feel good. So sometimes you have, but it's like you said, you have to assess where they are and meet them there. And so much of that is true, not only of like our patients, but our coworkers too. So I think it's cool that, you know, um, now I, too, am like, okay, I want to look at this binder, look at this policy, familiarize myself. It's just, like, one more tool in the nurse's, like, Batman tool belt. And so I think it's really nice to kind of have this information to give out to people. So do you have any other kind of, like, final thoughts or words of advice for people if they want to start using aromatherapy or they want to even use it for themselves? Like, where someone who's never touched an an essential oil, where do we start? Uh, So for other nurses who are looking to maybe integrate aromatherapy more into their practice, definitely make sure you know your hospital's policy Mm -hmm. or your institution's policy. If they don't have a policy, be the squeaky wheel. Mm -hmm. Get one in place. Um, For anyone who's looking to integrate it into their own lives, start with, like, what you know makes you happy or what, you know, start with the smells that you know kind of elicit the response that you're looking for mm-hmm. already. Uh, if you're taking meds, maybe don't put it directly onto your skin or like drink it until the research that proves that it won't interact with your meds comes out. Yes, <laughs> until we know for sure that we're not going to cause, yeah, right, cause, cause a problem. Kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, maybe just stick to an infuser. Yes. And, and you know, like you said, even if you're at home, you can put a little bit of it on, like, a cotton swab or yeah, something. Yeah, a cotton swab or somewhere that it won't, like, get onto you and absorb into your skin mm-hmm. where you can mm-hmm. still smell it. Right. Room sprays, diffusers. Yeah, yeah all that sort of thing. Start small and kind of build your way up. Yeah, and, like... Um, 
I would love it if you if you have anything that we can include in the show notes, maybe like a link to a resource or a study or something that you find most helpful. I don't know if you still have that because before we started recording, we just talked about how right after I finished my last project, I needed like cloud space. So I just, dump, what'd you call it? Rage dump? No, you rage quit. <laughs> oh, rage quit. That's it. Yeah, that's totally what I did. I was like, delete, 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 delete. So, um, but if you have anything that you would like to share, you can forward that to me. Sweet, yeah, and then, you know, that way if folks are at a, a place where they maybe don't have a policy, they have something that they can take and say, look at this literature, like this, I heard this podcast, they were talking about it, I want to explore this option. So we'll try to give people at least kind of a, a springboard. Spring yeah, totally. So um, I'm looking forward to using what I've learned at work. Um, and you know, now I'm also kind of like, well, I have some insights on things I'm already doing that I didn't realize that I was doing. So um, I think that this has been fantastic information. And I wanted to thank you for coming and joining me on the show. Thanks. It's definitely been fun being on this side of the mic, not just listening. <laughs> and I know that you are, um, you have been really supportive. Um, from the get-go so I also want to thank you for being one of the people that's like giving me feedback and it's really encouraging because there have been several times in the last couple years that I've been like nobody's listening why am I doing this I should just stop I'm tired and um, so um, thank you for your support no it's great to have this kind of community just discussing nursing yeah, the stuff that maybe your curriculum is not in the foundations coursework. So it's nice to continue to like up our game and like constantly be learning. So thank you for joining us. Um, go to nursinguncensor.com, check out um, the post, and like I said, we'll get some get a resource or two up there for you guys. And um, anyway, thanks for listening and happy nursing, folks. Here at Nursing Uncensored, we may be, well, uncensored, but we're not unfiltered. Protected health information has been changed and concealed to comply with HIPAA. The things we talk about are from years of experience with thousands of patients, things we've read, stories we've heard. If you think we're talking about you, we're not. Also, we're real nurses here to provide helpful and accurate information but don't take anything we say as fact without doing your own research. Refer to your state's Board of Nursing, Practice Acts, and your institution's policies and procedures if you have questions about your practice. Lastly, our very strong opinions are ours alone and do not reflect those of our employers, educational, or professional institutions. Thanks for listening, and happy nursing, folks.